One, two, three. Welcome to Highest Potential with Dr. Steve Pettit, a podcast that explores how Bob Jones University empowers individuals to reach their highest potential for God's glory. Welcome to a new episode of Highest Potential. I'm Steve Pettit, president of Bob Jones University. And before we get to today's interview, I want to share with you what we have planned for next week. We are very excited that the BJU Alumni Association will be hosting Alumni Live next Tuesday, April 20th. This event is a great opportunity for alumni of BJU to connect virtually with the university and other alumni. One of the events planned for that day is a video broadcast of our next podcast episode where we will give you a behind-the-scenes look at our recording setup in my office. We will also be talking to longtime music faculty members Warren and Gene Cook. So you can learn more about Alumni Live at bjualumni.live. In addition to that episode... We'll also be publishing a conversation I had with BJU grad and governor of Arkansas, the Honorable Asa Hutchinson. I'll discuss with the governor his faith, his time at Bob Jones, and his journey to becoming the governor of Arkansas. You will not want to miss this episode. Today, I'm very thankful for the opportunity to talk to Mrs. Erin Jones, who is the director of the Museum and Gallery. The MNG has always been a very important part of BJU, and Aaron is currently overseeing an exciting transition for the museum. So let's go ahead and listen to our conversation right now. Enjoy. Well, we are so delighted to have with us today Mrs. Aaron Jones, who is the director of the Museum and Gallery here in Greenville, South Carolina. And Aaron, thank you so much for being today with us on Highest Potential. Well, thank you for the invitation. I'm glad to be able to be part of this. And we are excited because we want to hear all about museum and gallery. What's the future? What do things look like? Where are we? I get a lot of people ask me that question, and I'm so glad that today we have the expert who can tell us what's going on. So thank you. Thanks for being with us. So let's let's start out with just some um, uh, big picture questions, and that is, give us a history of what we call M and G, and tell us the story how you became the director. Sure. Okay, so it really begins with my grandfather-in-law, Dr. Bob Jones Jr., and a man named Carl Hamilton, who was an art connoisseur, and he was very involved in starting the North Carolina Museum of Art in Raleigh. And he told Dr. Bob, he said, look, if you want a respectable university school, you need some more credibility and having an art collection would do that for you. If you look at all of these major schools in the country, they all have art collections. So you should do this. So Dr. Bob took the idea to the university board, and this is in the late 1940s. And because of the university's strengths at the time, which were the School of Fine Arts and the School of Religion, then a focus of what would be collected for the art collection narrowed down to European old master paintings mm. because that these artists were painting religious works 
for the most part, for many centuries, again, until, you know, the Renaissance and humanism and starting to veer off into more historical and other types of subjects. So that was the focus. And the university then they set aside some funds. So he started collecting and he started collecting with the introduction to some really good dealers who they took this on as an inspiration, really, and they saw the vision of what it could do for a, a university. And so they were burdened to find- So these were his helpers. Yes. And they found quality works and good subjects, too, that, um, well, would focus on what the university was interested. So I'm always curious, like, like where did he go to get the art? Well, I, so some some of the works, yes, he did have an eye for and found and located. Mm. Some of that was in the U.S. There were some travels that he did as he was preaching right mm. around the world. But many of the works of art, they really came from credible dealers. I got you. And they, were, they had an eye out specifically for him. So they'd what, call him up, say, hey, I found this. That's exactly right. And so then they would, they in a lot of letter writing, of course, too, and pictures. And, and so then he acquired about, it was 20 to 40 when it was opening on Thanksgiving Day in 1951. And really that opened in just a couple of rooms. And then by 1965, it had moved to the current building, which is the former university dining common. So where, did, where, where, were the, where was the initial uh, museum located? Well, so there, I understand from Dr. Turner that actually some works were displayed in the alumni building for a while, but then for the, the real focus though, there were two rooms in the fine arts building okay. that were the art gallery at that point. Yes. So then in 65 though, several at the opening, several art directors and curators from museums around the US and even Canada came and attended because they recognized how important the collection was. And really then by the 70s and 80s, loans were being done across the world and curators, even like a curator at the Louvre wrote to congratulate Dr. Bob on the strength of the collection and how he'd gone about this and the artists that were represented. So really it was over what about four and a half decades where he was collecting and growing an important collection for the U.S. So M&G, which is, means museum, BJU, Museum and Gallery. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's had some, some evolution through it. Yeah. So tell us about how that was started, because I know that sure. was started afterwards. It was. All right. So um, in 1996, the, the former art gallery actually then separated and became an independent nonprofit organization from Bob Jones University. And then at that point, that was when it became the Museum and Gallery at Bob Jones University. And it's called Museum and Gallery because actually the collection was a museum before it was an art gallery because it had received the Bowen collection of antiquities from Frank and Barbara Bowen mm. from Middle Eastern countries and uh, Egypt. And so it was museum. And then by adding all of the art, then it became, that was the art gallery. So that's why it's called museum and gallery because it covers both the whole spectrum. So when did you enter into the picture? Yes. So my grandfather-in-law, he passed away in 1997. And then in the next spring, 98, my father-in-law, Dr. Bob Jones III, he was president of the university. And he had received a number of letters from 
oh, dealers and specialists and curators and directors around the country and in just sharing their their appreciation for his dad mm. and what he had done in accumulating a collection like this and how respected it was. And so that basically made my father-in-law realize, oh, this wasn't just a, my dad's little pet project here. This is important and it's important for the university's testimony and reputation farther than he had realized. And he'd also known that the current director, Joanne Davis, um, Fred Davis's wife, who you know was so active here for so many years with the with the grounds and dining common facilities, all of that. She was the director at that time and said that she had was looking to retire probably in a year or so. And I I had been teaching four years in the speech department by that point. And I I love teaching, I love students, but just didn't think I could do that for 50 years of my life. And we were, Stephen and I were just even, you know, wondering what the Lord had for us anyway. I was expecting our first child. And so my father-in-law asked me if I would be willing to shift over to the museum and if I'd be willing to work there and make it more accessible to the community and a broader community, as well as make it more educational like most museums are. And so we prayed about it, talked about it, talked with my parents about it, if, if this is something that, you know, they thought was good. And then I decided, we decided that I would do that. So in 1998, in the spring, then I made that transition and then had about a year's training with Mrs. Davis before she retired. So I know uh, a lot of folks wonder about the collection. We we know it's religious art, but most people beyond that really don't know exactly what's within the, in the framework of the collection. So could you share some of those things? Sure. So there are there are several niche strengths that the collection has. We have a group of paintings that are represented by northern European artists following an Italian painter named Caravaggio. And that's because one painter named Jarrett Hontorst. He traveled to Italy, saw this work, and brought the idea back to Holland. And most people love this painting in our collection by Hontorst. It's the Holy Family in the carpenter shop. And Christ is holding a candle while Joseph is carving a piece of wood, maybe a chair leg of some kind. Well, this artist then influenced a whole group of painters known as the candlelight painters. Well, we have the what is known at this point, the largest collection of those northern followers of that Italian painter. Cool. It is, it is. And then, of course, we can't leave out the Benjamin West collection, which is in the War Memorial Chapel. So West is an American expatriate working for King George III during the Revolutionary War. And the king, actually about three years before the war ended, asked West to create a series of paintings called The Progress of Revealed Religion mm. that would go in the Windsor Castle Chapel. And so there are a lot of reasons why that chapel didn't get finished, but West planned maybe 35 finished paintings. That's what he wanted for this chapel. And he only completed 18 of them. 
And we know that five of those 18 are completely lost to the world. Nobody knows where they are. So that leaves 13 that are left, and seven of them are all together in the War Memorial Chapel for people to enjoy. On the campus display. of Bob Jones University. That's right. That's right. So it is, it's an American treasure, really. Mm. And this series has been called the most significant series of 18th century English religious work really to exist. And every day our students get to go into War Memorial Chapel with various events. And of course, they're able to see the Benjamin West. And, and it's always a part of the tour of the campus of BJU. Yes, it is. And we and MNG even supplies specific tours for that if anyone wants to come and enjoy the art in that setting. So <clears throat> I know your passion, well, first of all, overall, the overall school's passion is always has the spiritual side to everything. And mm -hmm. so um, obviously there is a mission behind M&G uh, to have an impact of, in lives. And so what, how, how is that being accomplished? Sure. So we are, we are using art for the purpose of touching the whole person, mind, heart, and soul, if the Lord allows. And it really is kind of a progressive mission because many people coming, they're just curious, right, about the art or the history, or they just want to know more information. So we always meet that. And then as we explain, we get to touch on their heart and even share the gospel for reaching their soul for eternity. And we do this in so many ways, even though we've been close to the public, right? So we're not, we're not offering public viewing hours. We are still, though, serving by offering tours around the campus where there is art on display. Like War Memorial, we have an exhibit over the Fine Arts Building. We do have an antiquities collection that is limited to the first two galleries in the building. And so we schedule tours to be able to give any of those. We have homeschool days that has been in person before COVID, but we've offered that now as an online feature for parents to enjoy with their students. And we have Art Break, which is usually an in-person opportunity, but we've adapted that this year for another type of option. And then our biggest outreach in serving people is what we call Museum on the Move. And this is where traditionally we've sent at least two educators into classrooms in South Carolina, Georgia, and North Carolina. And they have taught almost... It's almost 13,000 students, 95% public schools using arts integrated lessons. And they, our teachers take everything with them. So the school teacher who doesn't have to do anything, it's all our teachers working with those students. And they are so, the lessons are so engaging that the year, so maybe a teacher comes one year, teaches that class of students, and they return to that school. Those students from the previous year will walk up to the teacher and say, you're with Museum on the Move. And then they'll share with that teacher everything they learned from mm. the last school year. So that's how strong and engaging the, the tools and techniques are in teaching these students. So it's well, a great outreach. Well, I, I was going to say, <clears throat> every time I've ever heard your presentation and and of course, we have scores and scores of pictures and, and, you know, you only have to take one picture and, and one painting and just beginning to open up the meanings that are there Yeah. because just the normal eye, you wouldn't know exactly how to say, oh, I didn't realize that, or this is so unique. And it, it satisfies, it stimulates your mind, 
but it also touches your heart because it's the gospel. It does. It does. Well, I think one of the big questions everybody wants to know is where are we right now in the art collection and what's the plans for the future? Sure. So in addition to all the things that you can see that we're doing through serving, we also have a whole bunch of things that we offer online. So short video, audio clips about the collection. And we even launched a virtual tour of what m used to look like. All right. So you can go on our website and enjoy that. But behind the scenes, then we are removing works of art for storage, and also we're making a number of loans. So we've loaned, oh, I mean, we've loaned all sorts of places throughout the years. But right now we have some works at, uh, as local as Wofford College. Mm. We have some things at the Georgia Museum of Art in Athens. And uh, we'll be loaning a work to Italy, and we're working on another large exhibition that might go to Orlando Museum of Art and maybe a few other places. Wow. So that is that is also going on behind the scenes. We have some at the Museum of the Bible. We have some objects that okay. are there, some antiquities. Okay. Our, we did have a huge exhibition up there for over a year, mm -hmm. and that returned back to us in December of 2020. So that's, these are some of the works and that we're also working to send back out to other locations. Yes. So loans, that's a key thing, but we are taking care of the collection. And because the Lord opened an opportunity for M&G to be able to move off the campus into downtown Greenville, we are working toward then fundraising for that project. And then of course, removing the art and even we're dismantling some of those beautiful immersive galleries with period panel painting. And there, there are ceilings and fixtures too that are also period. So we're in the, in the process of removing some of those things in order for them to be planned, to be reinstalled in the new location. Mm. So expand a little bit on the on the downtown vision here, because uh, obviously there's not a building downtown today. So help us get a bigger picture of that. Sure. So we MNG and its board then has we were considering whether we should raise funds to stay on the campus and improve the building here or if we should consider moving moving off the campus because accessibility is is an issue Camp, college campuses are unknown to guests and and may seem unfriendly just because every college campus has its own culture right and MNG has been called you know a it's been called a a hidden charm, right, in Greenville. And while that's that's a nice compliment, we really need to be more visible. Right. And that even helps us reach our mission, which we feel strongly about. So some developers own property in downtown Greenville. It's the last undeveloped piece of land in the central business district on the Reedy River. And our community also needs a an event center that would be strong in the downtown, which helps them even for an economic development piece. Plus, we, our 
our friends, our partners at the Greenville County Museum of Art, they have been in that location for years and they need more wall space. So these developers suggested that maybe then Greenville could build the event center on this property and then Greenville County Museum could have a satellite location in, in a part of the space. And then M&G would have its own distinct space where we would move everything. So that it's a great opportunity. It actually moves our community up on a more metropolitan scale when you compare the two collections just kind of paired in a you know in a close vicinity and i it just it really does it's more it's more like finding a huge art collection when you go to new york city or another place yeah, it just like raises that the whole level of the city Yes, yes. So the city and the county, they have both passed resolutions in support of this project. It's been presented to the state. The state has already funded um, a portion. And even this spring, um, they're considering another significant amount, which hopefully we'll find that out mm -hmm. here this spring, whether the remaining funds are gifted this spring or maybe over a couple of years. We, Lord willing, will know about that. And the city also is doing a due diligence review of the whole project to make sure the event center is the right size, all of this, traffic studies. So those things are currently in the work. We've already talked with um, the architect and we have some more some more work to do there. But I believe the, the state, those monies as well as the city's recommendations, those will help make the timeline of the project more visible for us to share more detail in the future but right now you know we're it's about awareness making people aware of it and and just working toward that in our pre presentations well while mg is is uh, closed at this moment uh, although there's a lot of activity going on uh, how can people stay connected what's the best ways sure well, it depends on what you like. So you can visit our website. As I said, there are so many videos and things there. And on our website, there is uh, pretty much on every page, you can choose to uh, join our mailing list or you can email us at contact us at bjumg.org to ask to be added to the mailing list or so you can the, follow so the us. So the website is bjumg.org. Okay. Yes. And, or you can follow us on uh, social media, Facebook and Instagram. Those are some options too. And you tell us about your podcast. Yeah. So because of COVID, we couldn't offer an in-person art break lunch and lecture series. So then we changed it, then have a monthly podcast where we have various speakers. So I've had up to about eight or nine speakers share a favorite work from the collection or their favorite Christmas painting ever in any collection, these kinds of things. I had a conservator come and share some of the work he has done on M&G's collection in preparation for loans, as well as just his interesting life and the many things he's worked on in his field of study. So it just is a great opportunity to pause really and really find some meaningful connections to the world of art because it's really far more universal than people initially think when they think about art. Well, we really appreciate you being with us today and, and really sharing. I, I know a lot of people, uh, there are a lot of people that know about the art collection. Um, if you mention Bob Jones University, a lot of times that's the first thing that comes to their mind, particularly people that are would be outside of this world. 
And uh, it's an important part of the university's history. And I'm so thankful that uh, your grandfather-in-law had the vision uh, for the art collection. And I know that your father-in-law has a great passion for it. And so we will continue to pray for its success and that it will be able to get into downtown Greenville. And, and I think it'll be a blessing to the city of Greenville. And that is certainly our desire. And, and thank you for those prayers. And I, I really probably would just add four specific prayer requests. We would really like to see the Lord clearly provide for it because that would help establish even our testimony mm -hmm. in the space that God did this mm -hmm. and that he gets the full glory, you know, no personalities or entities that really, mm -hmm. it is clear that he has done that. So thank you. Thank you for those prayers. We thank you. Thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Highest Potential with Steve Pettit. Don't forget to find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Mm -hmm.